afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Big dog. What's it going to be, Oost? What's the stipulation to our Hell in a Cell match, Oost? Yeah. You're not going to come out. I get it. On your own terms. But Roman, like you said, there will be consequences. I face them. I don't never run from them. It's locked down with the Oost that got the juice. Welcome to the Uso. Stop, stop, Pit. stop, stop. Please, Jay, stop embarrassing yourself and more importantly, your entire family with this foolish attempt to dictate the time and location of the appearance of the Universal Champion. That's at the discretion and the leisure and the convenience of the champ. Your uncle used to say that in this business, believe nothing that you hear and only half of what you see. But what you just saw you can believe that I tried to help you I tried to make your life better all you had to do say the words acknowledge me as your tribal chief. So now, for the first time, inside Hell in a Cell, there will be an I Quit match. Didn't have to be like this. I just want to help you. I love you. But after you say I quit.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 227 of the Hoots Podcast. To the good Hoots, the good brothers, the good sisters, all across the nation, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to listen to a fun wrestling slash life-based podcast hosted by yours truly, the nefarious Brother Adam. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. Pretty simple, right? <laughs> it's so easy for you guys to find me on the Twitter machine. I'm also on Instagram. You can follow me there at Joshi Lopez94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez94 on Instagram. And also I got a music page if you'd like to see me do some cool guitar covers at Josh Lopez Music. I have a website, it's called ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. If you need a Website where you can find all the latest results from your favorite pro wrestling television shows or streaming events. Uh, make sure to check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Bookmark it. Uh, I've been covering the G1 for the last month, and it concludes this Sunday. We'll have some predictions and a preview segment for that later on in this podcast. And, um, you know, of course, per ritual for those who listen to the podcast each and every single week. Uh, we have a brand new edition of the Thoughts of Derrico at the end of the podcast. And of course, uh, as you guys know, this podcast comes to you every single Thursday free of charge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast from. And don't forget, the segment that's sweeping the nation, pal, uh, everybody's favorite podcasting segment of 2020 is back It's back, and it's going to be our longest one yet. It's called, What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W? And I think this week is very apropos for this segment and for the fact it was the one-year anniversary of Dynamite. So we got a lot to get into. I'm going to recap the draft in a couple minutes and talk about what I'm looking forward to for Hell in a Cell. And just got, we have a lot to talk about, man. We got Halloween Havoc around the corner. We got Bound for Glory a week from Saturday and Hell in the Cell next weekend. It's just, it's just the same, man. There's a lot of shit going on. So <laughs> let's not waste any further time. All thing I'll ask before we get into our opening monologue Q&A session here is that uh, make sure to subscribe to the show. Like I said, it comes to you free of charge. And if you could, especially for those who use Apple Podcasts, leave us a four or five star review, uh, rating and review. It helps expand the reach of the show, and I want to gauge on how you guys actually feel about this podcast. So, without further ado, let's get into the Good Brothers shooting the shit session here. Um, <laughs> shout out to the Good Brothers, Chris Aletta and Psycho Nagari, aka Nate the Great, for uh, sending great questions each and every single week. Uh, by the way, you can follow Chris at Twitter at xteenzaletta24x, and also you can follow Nate on Twitter at psychonagiri. So, here we go, pal. Hey, Josh, here's some questions for the show this week. What was your favorite PS2 game? Well, I think for me, personally, my favorite PS2 games, if we're going to talk about wrestling here... Uh, I'd probably say Here Comes the Pain or the first Raw versus SmackDown game that had the general manager mode in it. I forgot which year it was. It may be 2004, but uh, either way, those two really stand out to me. I've always been a big fan of MLB The Show, so those ones will definitely rank high there in the list. And then, um, you know, 
I, I was really a big fan of the Lord of the Rings uh, video games. So if you guys want to call me a nerd or whatever, please go ahead. But I, especially Lord of the Rings Twin Towers, that's still one of my favorite um, video games of all time. So that's a great question there. All right. If you watch, which was your favorite Mighty Ducks movie? I loved all the movies, actually. Uh, this is another big part of my childhood, being a 90s kid. Uh, I really just enjoyed the movies. Uh, Gordon Bombay, um, you know, he uh, Emilio did a great job of that movie. I, I, I tried to watch as much as I could. Uh, they, they aired the crap out of that movie a lot when you... Uh, when I was younger, maybe like in my high school years, and they would have like these reruns on like Stars, you know, the movie channel, the the uh, subscription based uh, movie channel Stars. They would play that shit over and over and over again. And you know what? I I love the uniforms, and I think watching my ducks was the first time that I really got into hockey. Which is an odd statement because I'm a kid that was born and raised in an original six town with the Chicago Blackhawks here. But I didn't get into hockey until I saw the Mighty Ducks. And also, if anybody cares to know, I had a big, big, big time crush on, um, what's it, what was it, Connie Moreau. Uh, the actress's name is called Margaret Moreau. But she played Connie in the uh, Mighty Ducks movie. This type of up. Uh, speaking of good waterfall, she ranks high in the list there. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I truly did enjoy the um, Mighty Ducks movies. Ooh, I haven't got this question in a while. Who's my favorite Power Ranger? Oh, man. You know what? This is hard, man, because there, there's a lot of good choices here. I've always been a big Power Ranger fan. I don't know about the recent adaptation movies that they've done, but... Um, if we could go with colors here, I'll, I'll probably say... Um, oh, man, you really stumped me on this one, Chris. Jesus Christ. Um, I'd probably say Jason. Uh, the Red Power Ranger. Uh, I, I was into the Black and Red Power Rangers. So, Zach and Jason. Uh, by the way, if I got this right, yeah. Jason Lee Scott played um, uh, the character of Austin St. John in the uh, Power Ranger series. So, um, Austin... And Walter were by no. Did I get this right? Austin and Zach, the Black and Red Power Rangers. Okay, those are my favorite. <clears throat> All right, next one. Did both Raw and SmackDown get their picks right? Well, I, I think this is all up to debate, and I, we'll, I'll get to this more in detail in a couple minutes. But like, when it look at, when I look at what happened with Raw and SmackDown with the draft, I think there's good things for both shows, and maybe there'll be other performers on other shows that I have on different brands. But um, you know what? I one prevailing thought I did have about the draft this year, and I'll touch on this more when I get to the segment. But like, 
I felt this year's draft was more productive for the fact that, you know, outside of switching the teams and stuff, I thought this draft was more eventful with the people that did switch brands as opposed to a couple of different years. So, you know, given the circumstances, I mean, I don't know how you could really have this high-energy draft in a pandemic with just LED LED screens surrounding the Thunderdome. I love the Thunderdome, but still... The, the picture ambience of what we're looking for in these pro wrestling shows still are not going to be there until this fucking vaccine comes. So it's hard to really gauge uh, what would have hit if we did a draft with a live audience uh, filled with 20,000 people at a regular basketball stadium. So did I think they Raw and SmackDown get their picks right? I thought they did a good job. I, I don't know if there's anything about the draft that I hated personally, but... Um, that, that'd be my question for that. Who should Nick Aldis face next? Me, pal. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He beat my ass. <laughs> I, I, I love Nick Aldis. Uh, been a big fan of his work over the years. Great talker. He is the real world champion. Um, loved his work with the NWA and NWA Power. I'd love to see him back in the ring soon. I know he had a recent match with Mike Kanellis, which was really cool. Personally, I love to see Nick Aldis do some stuff with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So if I had to pick a choice for Nick Aldis, it would be uh, Jay White. So that would be my pick there. Okay, who should be the one to take the towel off of Drew if not Randy? Oh, man. I gotta say, man, Drew McIntyre doesn't get the props that he deserves as a WWE champion. This dude is everything you want in a current day WWE champion. Yet, for some reason, people just want to look down on the dude. Like, he he still carries himself like a badass. Yeah, does he have his moments where he's goofy and sarcastic? But that's the real Drew Galloway. Uh, if, if you have an issue with the way he is personally, then that's your prerogative. But I love this entire title reign that Drew's had. So, part of me doesn't want to see him lose the title. But if, you know, I hate this damn word. If we're going to go with the scenario of somebody taking the title off of Drew. Um, I'll go with I'll go with The Fiend. I, 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 not, no, I'm not going with The Fiend. The Fiend does not need a championship. Uh, this is this is really rough, man. Uh, you know what? I'll just go with Keith Lee. That'd be a safe option. This is a really tough question because you look at the Raw roster right now since everything's switched now. Like, I don't see... The Fiend does not need a world title to justify his character. I don't care if it's the Universal title or the WWE title. I just don't think he needs it. So, if you want my pick, I'll go with either Keith Lee or AJ Styles, okay? Favorite Shane Meek Mahan moment. Uh, I have a couple. Uh, I got to see two of them in person. One where he fought uh, Big Show in the last man standing match at Backlash 2001 where he fell off the stage. I was at that show. I was seven years old at the time. And then uh, also uh, being there for WrestleMania 22, my first WrestleMania I ever went to. Um, you know, <laughs> it was a bad moment for him, but it was just funny for me. Uh, uh, Shane joined the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club uh, during that awesome WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in person. And then, you know, I really liked what he did on SmackDown. I loved the whole best of the world thing and having Greg Hamilton do the intro. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was good heat. And um, I always managed to see 
Meek Mahan fan, so thoughts on Dak Prescott's future? Man, great question, man. Uh, I first I want to send my thoughts out to Dak and his family. They've been through a lot this year, a lot, a lot, a lot, and. You don't want to wish that on your worst enemy. You don't want to wish that on anybody for the year that that family's had. You know, Dax opened up about mental health issues and depression. And I really hope the best for him. I've always liked Dak Prescott. I never had an issue with him uh, as a quarterback. I think he's a great quarterback. And, you know, you see that he's an even better person and a great leader of men, and you just saw that with the reaction to everybody towards that horrible injury he suffered against the Giants the other night. So, really, first off, my thoughts are with Dak, and hopefully he's in the right mental frame. That's what I'm concerned about right now, as opposed to football. Um, you know, I think Dak's above being with the Cowboys, to be honest with you. I could see a scenario that, yeah, maybe Dak comes back to the Cowboys, but I think Dak's limiting his uh, potential with being with the Dallas Cowboys. That's just my opinion. I think that could be better suited with the San Francisco 49ers. So that would be my answer to that question. But I like that though. And really quick, my thoughts are with um, Dak and his family. It's just really, really sad. Okay, next question. Got a couple good ones here from Nate the Great. What would you think of Cobb versus White for the, for the U.S. title. I don't think Moss is coming back to defend it for obvious reasons. Well, Nate, I think what's going to happen here, this is a little conundrum that New Japan's in. It's the fact that Kenta won the USA version of the New Japan Cup on New Japan Strong, obviously. Uh, I am sticking with this campaign. Fuck John Moxley, by the way. Let's get that out of the way. I can't stand his ass. Uh, even though he's more enjoyable in New Japan, I still can't stand his ass. So, uh, I would love to see Kenta find a way if if Tony Khan could get his head out of his ass and let John Moxley appear on these New Japan Strong shows that they tape out in California. That'd be awesome. You have Kenta defeat Moxley. And, you know, this would be a good revenge story for Cobb because Cobb... Um, had a match, a, he lost the New Japan Cup final to Kenta in the USA. How cool would be full circle for Kenta to fight Cobb at Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 15 for the IWGP US Heavyweight title. I think that's how I would do it. Bigger icon to Chicago fans, MJ or Walter Payton? I think for those who were born in the city and what the city represents, i definitely say Walter Payton, and that's not a slide on Michael, because I think Michael's, uh, if you want to look up the picture of the greatest, he's just there. Like, I don't want to hear this stuff about LeBron James and, oh, I need my respect. I need my respect. I want my damn respect. Yeah, I want your respect for the fact that you choose not to acknowledge that you lost six NBA finals. <laughs> Like, I, I love these participation trophies that these modern NBA fans are giving LeBron James. Oh, look at me. Look at LeBron. He was in 10 finals. That's a great accomplishment. How many did he lose? He's lost more fucking finals than he's won. <laughs> so, but I don't want to make this a whole MJ LeBron thing. But honestly, Walter is the personification 
of what Chicago was. And it's crazy for a guy that wasn't even born here. But the way he played, this is the research and documentaries I've watched from Walter Payton. He really is the one that stands out the most as an icon to Chicago sports fans. So I'll go with Walter Payton. What stresses you out the most and how do you deal with it? Um, I think... I think a lot of it's just eternal. It may be some things that I've allowed to fester over years. And, you know, a lot of times I'll share positive quotes and th- things around my mind to give a different perspective to different people. And also uh, an opportunity to keep to hold myself accountable with these. Not every quote I share has to do with something that I'm dealing with personally. But I look at, I go to a lot of different things to try to learn different perspectives and how I can handle different situations. So I think a lot of my issues always starts with me. I'll never be the guy that just casts blame on my failings or my predicaments on other people. I'm just not that type of person. So I would just say that I, I think internal frustration on my own end. With things that happened to me that maybe that weren't on my control. But it's just, uh, I, for those who know my actual life story and get to know the real me and my journey. I've been done wrong a lot. And a lot, at times I feel I can be justified to be the most, like, abrasive person on the planet Earth. But I'm just not wired that way. I'm not that type of person. So, I, a lot of the stress for me is just internal and then... I always look for clarity on different situations and how I could grow and be a better man out of it instead of just dwelling on, oh, this thing happened. Oh, that didn't happen. Why is this happening to me? Like, I I can't do that game. It's just, I just don't have the time or energy for it. Ooh. Favorite comfort meal? Well, pal, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I Comfort meal, I, I, I gotta say it's... It was one that I had in Santa Clara at the WrestleMania 31. There was a great uh, Chili's by the hotel I was staying at. Um, My favorite comfort meal was California uh, flatbread. California pizza flatbread with chicken tenders and fries on the side. That's my comfort meal, okay? That, that's my go-to right there. And if you want to switch around, you could uh, have like a good old-fashioned steak with pierogies on the side. So, I, I like those questions, Nate. Um, here's another good one here. Um, what would you do feud-wise with mid-card titles in all companies going forward? Meaning IC, US, uh, North American... Uh, TNT, IWGP, Never Open Weight, the IC Junior, NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Man, I think I'm probably the only person that can actually answer this properly. So it's time to pull out the pencil, pal, with Joshi, and we're going to do this now. So for those listening, I want you to write this down. And if you have any suggestions of what you would do with these particular uh, feuds going forward. I love to know at the Hoots Podcast. Okay, so write this down. Okay, U.S. title is currently held by Bobby Lashley. Okay, just with the uh, revelation that we just saw a couple weeks ago, I definitely say that Mustafa Ali is going to be the next guy going after Bobby Lashley and the U.S. title. Ali takes the title from Lashley in the Hurt business, and we get to a few with Ali and Ricochet. So we'll start right there on Monday Night Raw. IC title currently hold by Sami Zayn 
And my pick here is brought to you by Talking Smack this week. I think that starting off with a chance with Big E having a few with Sami Zayn over the IC title would be tremendous. That'd be my choice there. Um, let's see. The North American title, shout out to the Barik and Us, uh, Damian Priest. I love watching that dude wrestle. Uh, you know what? I, I, I would say for now, I would have uh, Damian Priest continue his thing out with Johnny Gargano. But down the road, if these guys are still in NXT, I would like to see Damian Priest uh, have a feud with Kyle O'Reilly. For the North American title, that'd be my choice there. And then um, IWGP IC title, we need to find a way to get that title off at night. So, by the way, the whole double champion thing is just not a good look. So, you want to go IC route? You can have Shingo uh, taking on. I have Shingo and Jay White fight over the IC title. Never open weight. Uh, just keep it old school. Go Ishii and Suzuki. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Titles currently hold by Taiji Ishibori. Like, I can't say Will Osprey because people get in their fucking feelings. Oh, what do you mean, Osprey? He's already been the Junior Heavyweight Champion. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, you know what? <laughs> they, I, I got to figure out who they would bring in out of the country to fight Ishimori for the title. I think I got the guy. I think I got the guy. He is another Barican Barrican uh, Ooze. His name is Danny Limelight. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Danny Limelight from New Japan Strong and uh, part of the LA wrestling scene should fight Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Danny Limelight is the real deal. And then we got the NXT Cruiserweight Championship that we got to talk about here. Currently held by Santos Escobar. Um, man, you know what? I I love that match that Escobar had with Schwartz Scott. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, really, really good match. I wonder, in a way, if Austin Theory would be a better fit for 205 Live than what he's doing now at NXT. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I would have Santos Escobar for now. You know, what's really suck about this question, Nate, is that there would be other choices that I would have if there wasn't a pandemic on we'd have other performers out of the country come back and do these feuds, you know? So, oh, man. Man, I I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I I would have um, I would have uh, Santos Escobar fight. Man, he got he stumped the Josh here. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I have Santos Escobar probably fight somebody like Leon Ruff or. Jake Atlas from NXT. If you want to bring people from Raw or SmackDown, maybe you could use Ricochet down there against Santos Escobar. Or, um, you know what? I got the, I got the pick, everybody. Santos Escobar versus Chad Gable. You're welcome, pal.
Thank you for your question, there, Nate. And then the last one I'm going to answer today is from another good brother to the Hoots podcast, Brett Murphy. You can follow him at Twitter at brettmurphy91. Uh, he is a Cam- uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, he said, let me pull this up really quick as I just lost the question here. Uh, <laughs> uh I almost got it right over here. Yep, there you go. Your statement on the Bears. Well, my statement on the Bears goes as this. I am glad to see that they're 4-1 right now, but I think we're all uh, witnessing a little bit of hyperbole and window dressing to the real issues with this football team. I am not a Matt Nagy fan as far as him as a play caller, but he is a great head coach with the fact that you look at his overall record over the last few years compared to the previous coaches we have with this organization. I like Matt Nagy as a head coach and as a person, but as a play caller, he leaves more to be desired, and I don't buy this narrative that he's an offensive genius, and I'm not buying this narrative that just because Nick Foles is a starting quarterback now, that means we're going to the fucking Super Bowl. I just don't believe that. I love I love the defense. I love Allen Robinson. I David Montgomery is good when you give him an opportunity. It's interesting that Montgomery's actually started out the season well with Mitch, and then Mitch comes out, and Montgomery's back to play the same way he did last year. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, love, love what I'm seeing so far from Jimmy Graham. You know, he's doing a great job in the red zone, obviously. Uh, Got to see more from Anthony Miller, and Darnell Mooney's catching some, uh, catch, catch the ball, so it was really cool. Um, I like where Bears are right now, but you just got to take one week at a time. I'm not expecting anything. You know, a lot of people didn't have this team making the playoffs this year. <laughs> you know, I had, I have my record at 11-5, and, and we'll see where it goes. But we just got to take one week at a time. So, Chris, Nate, and... Uh, Brett, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, sending the questions out every single week. I appreciate it. It's cool to blend in a lot of different topics in this opening part of the podcast, and I don't leave no stone unturned. So thank you guys for the questions, and you can be just like them. If you ever have a question for me, anything you want to know about me personally, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, You can send a mental health question or a relationship question. I'm here for all of you. It's not just a wrestling podcast. It's a live podcast as well. So uh, thank you guys so much for sending out the questions. I'm about to take a swig of water, and when we come back here, I'm going to recap the WWE Draft and get into what's going on on the road to Hell in the Cell. So take a swig, well, take a quick swig of water. I'll be right back and get into this week's edition of This Week in the World of WWE. Alright folks, we're back. Time to get into This Week in WWE. Recapping Raw and SmackDown from last week, and more specifically, the WWE Draft. Uh, we just had a 2020 version of the WWE Draft just take place over this past five to six days. Uh, presided by Stephanie McMahon, by, by the way, good on you, Triple H. I know this is 20 years old already, but... That dude is living a life. If I if I if there's one person that I would want to live his life is Triple H because that dude's uh, he's done a good job. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, Stephanie presided the WWE draft picks for both Raw and SmackDown, and there were 
Both nights were separated at different draft pools due to the fact that SmackDown's a two-hour show and Raw's a three-hour show. So just the distribution of laying out the draft picks is just different than the NFL uh, draft where some of these NFL draft shows go on for fucking seven hours a day. So it's a little different <laughs> distribution when you're pre- presenting a wrestling draft on television where they don't have the hours of weekly television that the NFL does. Um, but I've always said this as far as my opinion, I feel like the draft presentations of WWE, um, it's just how you view how you want your drafts to be presented. Some people prefer the NFL style draft and, uh, having a panel of people going into, uh, perspectives on it. I liked it when they first did it in 2016 because they did have a panel talking about it, but it also gets into murky waters where you have people like, oh, okay, you're having a panel, but... Nobody's talking about booking. Nobody's talking about uh, what the fans on social media are saying about how certain characters are being perceived or how the dirt sheet or wrestling media views them. I'm part of wrestling media. I'm not part of the dirt sheets. And I can tell you that, you know, when it comes to having wrestling drafts, you know, I go all out with it or don't do it at all. Um... I don't think that if you're going to do drafts, I don't think you need to have wrestling matches on it. But I'll tell you what. Both Raw and SmackDown this week had really, really good wrestling matches on it. They really did. I I tell you what, guys. I really, really enjoyed this week's Monday Night Raw. And I'll tell you why in a couple minutes. But let's go. Let's start off with SmackDown real quick. And we go over uh, the picks uh, for the draft so far. And I'll give you my thoughts. And... You know, again, this is the whole thing when it comes to wrestling. All this stuff is subjective. So what I say may not resonate with you. Maybe you don't feel the same, and that's perfectly fine. But nothing I'm coming on here today is telling you is the God, God, God honest truth for the gospel. That's not how we do things here in the Hoots Podcast. I speak for myself, and that's the only thing that I control, right? So let's look at this. Let's look at the draft picks. So when we look at SmackDown right now, uh, maybe we'll just I'm pulling up from my website. <laughs> uh, we found out that the Monday Night Messiah is heading to SmackDown, and I think that's great. This is the first time that Seth Rollins is going to be a permanent fixture of SmackDown in his WWE career. He's always been on Monday Night Raw. He's always been a Monday Night Raw guy, and Seth Rollins is going to bring his. Um, Purveyorness is bringing his liberating skills to the Fox uh, networks, and I think that's a good thing because when you have uh, Colin Cowherd of all people spewing off at the mouth, I think we need some levity and we need some real good liber- liberators on that network. And Seth Rollins is one of them, and I'm happy that he's on SmackDown. So that's my thoughts on that. Other picks go like this for SmackDown. Obviously, Roman stays. Sasha stays. So, people don't have to throw a temper tantrum. Sasha's staying on SmackDown. So, it's Bailey. So, it looks like they're probably going to continue their feud going into WrestleMania next year. Which, if that's the case, then fine. You know, finish this thing out. And both of them go their separate ways. I, I, I don't think that Sasha and Bailey are ending a hell in the cell. I think Bailey will find a way... To possibly uh, just obviously, you're just gonna find some uh, scandalous way to win the match. I don't think Sasha's winning at Hell in the Cell. 
uh, in the story. I think you can find a way to have Bailey really, really hurt Sasha Banks, and then storyline wasn't. I'm, I'm not wishing that Sasha gets hurt, but if we go with the scenario here, I think that Bailey hurts Sasha at Hell of the Cell. Sasha's off for a couple of months. You get into a few with Bailey and Bianca Belair. Then Sasha comes back and wins Royal Rumble and you continue your business on to WrestleMania. So that's what I would do with that, okay? Jay Uso stays. We got the Mysterios. So it looks like the Mysterios and Rons will continue your feud going forward. And Murphy joined the squad as well. So <laughs> I, I got to tell you guys, <laughs> I you know, I, I'm not really into trolling much. I'm really not that type of guy, but... When it happens and it pisses off wrestling Twitter, I, I'll tell you guys what. I'll be honest with you. you guys, those who listen to this podcast know that I can't stand wrestling Twitter. I can't stand it. I got a very important question to ask you guys, and I'm going to ask you this right now. Be honest with me. When have we, as a wrestling fan base, became English professors? I want to know. When have we, as a fan base... Become fucking uh, English knobs. Like, when when did we forget about the premise of the fact that what we're watching, the root of pro wrestling, does not make sense? Like, every, every other tweet I see on social media, on Twitter, is about, oh, this feud doesn't make sense. Oh, the, this move for one person in another draft doesn't make sense. Everything in wrestling today, according to these fucking people on Twitter, it doesn't make sense to them. I want, I want you guys to understand this. We can't twist our opinion of what we don't like to something not making sense. That's your opinion. You don't like a decision over, over who won a match. That does not mean that match or that decision does not make sense. I can say I don't like uh, the fact that the Buccaneers uh, beat the Bears, but they did. I'm using an example here. Let's say, oh, I didn't like the fact that the Buccaneers beat the Bears in the playoffs. Oh, this is stupid booking by the NFL. It doesn't make sense. Obviously, it's different because it's real life sports. So I'm just coming up with different examples, okay? Or, or example, uh, let, let's use an entertainment example, okay? Oh, <laughs> Bella Swan for Twilight decided to go with Edward instead of uh, Jake in the movie. So I didn't like that decision. That didn't make sense to me. That's my opinion. That's not fact. That their story is subjected to what that story is. There's not a right or wrong. There's not a black or white feel to pro wrestling. It's not sports. It's not sports. So I, I, I keep seeing these things on Twitter. Oh, this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. We're not fucking English professors. We're not in English class. I'm not in high school. I'm watching pro wrestling. It's an escape from reality. How about that? Pro wrestling is an escape from reality, yet we're trying to make it reality-based and, like, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones? That doesn't make sense. The premise of pro wrestling doesn't make sense. We got two people in their fucking tights fighting each other in a scripted wrestling match. Where, where's the logic in that? The whole premise of this whole business doesn't make sense. That's the charm of it. I'm not saying that storylines can't be 
overly top uh, insulting to your intelligence. I'm not disagreeing with that, but saying that okay, just because my person didn't win a match, that means that decision didn't make sense, or the fact that my favorite team split and they went to a different brand, that doesn't make sense. How does that not make sense? It's a draft. Anybody's up for change. Like, we need to figure out where we're actually gauging what we don't like and keeping it in that box and twisting it into this doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. Because you can't twist opinions to facts. I have my opinions on AEW. I could be 100% wrong every single week. But I'm speaking for myself. Stop trying to speak for other people. Stop trying to generalize pro wrestling. It's an inconsequential form of entertainment, and that's why we love it. Oh, it doesn't make sense that the New Day broke up. Ah, uh, did Biggie turn on Kofi and Woods? It's a draft. They're not broken up. And you're the same people two or three months ago saying, oh, Biggie should uh, go into a singles run. The New Day can still be together, but Biggie should go in the singles run. They're still doing that, but they're on different brands. What about that does not make sense? I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. We can't twist opinions to make it seem that's fact. Just because that's how you feel, does not, that doesn't mean that's how other people feel or what that is. All this stuff is subjective. There's not, it's not black or white. I thought the best pick for SmackDown uh, that they got was two of them. Bianca Belair and Kevin Owens. I thought that was great addition for that brand. We, uh, Street Profits are going to SmackDown, obviously. Uh, Aleister Black's joined the group. Uh, uh, Selena Vega as well and Billy Kay, so that's cool. And then you go to, over to Raw. Raw keeps... Excuse me. Raw keeps their big hitters. We got Drew McIntyre, Asuka, The Hurt Business, Charlotte, uh, Randy Orton, obviously. Edge is not part of the draft, obviously, because he's not signed to Raw or SmackDown, so don't worry about that. Um, well, so we got the additions of Miz and Morrison. I think Miz and Morrison are a good addition for Raw. But I think sooner or later that Miz and Morrison do need to split up with each other. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, I mentioned New Day. They'll be on uh, Raw. If you look at their tag team division right now, uh, you know whoever will be the tag team representative Retribution should be pretty good. You still got the New Day. You got Miz and Morrison. You got the Lucha House Party. Uh, you got the Hurt Business, obviously. You can have some pretty good tag team barn burners on this show. One thing I'm really, really happy for for Monday Night Raw is that Angel Garza is by himself. Like, Angel Garza can now have the opportunity to be a singles guy on his own. So, you want to talk about future U.S. title contenders, you can put Angel Garza's name on the list. Also, again, the big gets of The Fiend and AJ Styles and Alexa Bliss is a big deal for uh, for Monday Night Raw, and I think that's great. Keith Lee still there. Uh... Love the fact that Matt Riddle and Jeff Hardy are going to Monday Night Raw. I think that's really cool. I'm telling you, man, like Raw's gonna have a lot of good barn burners <laughs> in the coming year just off the uh, draft results. Uh, you know, Sheamus joining Monday Night Raw. I, I feel like Raw is gonna get back to gritty and more physical wrestling matches. 
and I'm really excited for it. Like you, the best thing about the draft that happened, in my opinion, was for Drew McIntyre. He has a new crop of potential top guys to go after his WWE title. Look at this. You got, you still got Bobby Lashley. You got AJ Styles. You got The Miz, the former WWE champion. You got The Fiend. You got Randy Orton. You got Braun Strowman. You got Matt Riddle. Uh, Keith Lee is on the list. Sheamus, who's had a history with Drew McIntyre. You have a lot of different people that could go for that WWE championship. And... You know, SmackDown bounces itself, bounce itself out with their roster. But even then, you still understand that Roman Reigns is the tribal chief of pro wrestling. This as you heard in the intro of this week's podcast. Uh, I thought Raw really meshed well uh, for their side of the draft. I really do. And I, I, SmackDown's got a lot of good people. Think about this. Maybe you could reunite Kevin Owens the same thing. It's a feud. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, having Daniel Bryan back, I would love to see a few with Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. I think that'd be great. Um, you know, you got Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. That, that's a good addition to that squad as well. Um, Nakamura and Cesaro is on the list. Like I said, I really think the switching of these rosters are for the better. Um, and, yeah, are there things I would do different? Yeah, but you can say that about every single WWE draft. So, um, I thought this draft was more productive and more eye-popping than the ones in the past, even given the fact this was a pandemic era. <laughs> and um, I, I got to tell you, man, I really enjoyed Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Uh, you know, starting off with Drew McIntyre and Ray Orton, seven was great. Uh, I, those two guys really sold the fact to me that they belong to have the Hell in a Cell match. I know for me personally that I could do it out multiple gimmick pay-per-views throughout the year. And when you have a Hell in a Cell match, I think you need people that justify having that match. And I thought Drew and Randy did that on Monday night. They sold me on it. They don't, they don't have to do anything else <laughs> to now to Hell in a Cell on uh, next Sunday. We're 10 days away from Hell in a Cell. And they, have, they, don't have, they, they already got me. I'm sold. I'm excited for this. I hope that Drew and Randy get a chance to main event this pay-per-view because they deserve it. They've been putting on really good matches under previous pay-per-view match, uh, pre- previous pay-per-view title bouts, and um, I I like it. Uh, I'm I really hope that Drew and Randy get a chance to main event Hell in the Cell. I, I was mentioning earlier, earlier that Raw had a lot of good matches this week, like for example the Kevin Owens and. Alistair Black, though the disqualification match was tremendous. You know, Black doing a flying meteor through multiple chairs was nasty. Owens had a really good outing in the match. Kevin Owens won uh, via the stunner, uh, and also he powerbombed Black through a table as well. Um, we saw Seth Rollins take on Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles in a triple threat match. This really popped me because this is Seth Rollins' farewell to, <laughs> to Monday Night Raw. And then AJ comes out and automatically, and this is great about AJ Styles as a heel, just the stuff that he says right off the top of his head like nothing. Like he's like, this this was never Monday Night Raw's anyway. <laughs> just as he's walking right past Seth Rollins. And you see the look on Rollins' face, man, that, that popped me. I, I, I love that segment. And the um, triple threat match was awesome. Really, really good. 
We had like three pay-per-view quality matches on Raw this past week, and that was one of them. And then we saw Elias cost Jeff Hardy to match by hitting him with a guitar. By the way, wasn't it told to me that WWE doesn't tell long-term stories? I'll wait for that answer. For that. I'll, I'll wait for that. Like, I guess we still forgot that Elias was uh, attacking the parking lot area when they were doing the whole Jeff Hardy, Shaded's DOI angle. But, hey, they don't pay attention to their long-term, tour, uh, long-term stories, right, pal? <laughs> the other match that really stood out to me from Raw was the um, tag team title match for the Raw tag team titles, uh, New Day. Uh, taking on uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I love transcribing Robert Roode matches. Uh, I think Robert Roode's the fucking man. I love watching him wrestle. He's a pro's pro. Love to see him get more, maybe one more chance to go down the road for a Universal Championship or maybe an IC title. Uh, I, I would love to see that. Um, but if he's just going to be a tag team wrestler, I, I'm fine with that too because Robert Roode's an awesome wrestler and I just love watching him wrestle. So... Him and Ziggler had a fantastic match with the New Day. That was fantastic. And it looks like those two will get into a few with the Street Profits on SmackDown. So, good business there on my end, pal. Um, and, you know what, man? It's like, I, I, thought, I thought there was good decisions there. The one thing, if I had a critique or whatever for Raw this week, is that they missed out on a good opportunity um, airing. Uh, this segment with Braun Strowman and Keith Lee. You know, they had this awesome brawl last week. Uh, and they fought all over the stage. And now, next week, this coming Monday, they're having a one-on-one sanction match. I'll tell you guys right now, it looks like Keith Lee is going to fight Braun Strowman <laughs> at Hell to Cell. It's some type of no-DQ or last-man standing match, and I'm here for it. These guys are going to beat the shit out of each other, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I want to play this audio for you guys because I thought this was really good. Uh, Tom Phillips did a sit-down interview with Keith Lee and Braun Strowman, and this is what happened. Hello, I'm Tom Phillips. Earlier on tonight on Monday Night Raw, it was announced that next week on the season premiere of Monday Night Raw live on USA, we will see a gigantic matchup as Keith Lee goes one-on-one with Braun Strowman. And with that, at this time, I am joined by both Braun Strowman and Keith Lee. Gentlemen, the two of you have been separated by WWE officials for obvious reasons. With that said, Braun, were you at all surprised at Keith's willingness to step up to you so early in his career on Raw? Look, I got to give Keith some credit. He showed some gall out there stepping up to me. There's not too many WWE superstars that are willing to come out and face the monster among men. Now, with both of us staying here on Monday Night Raw, I have to remind you, there's only room for one monster around here. And that's me. Look, first of all, I concur. Braun, you are, in fact, a monster. But there is not a challenge in the entirety of my life I have ever turned away from. That does not change today. So if it is a battle I must have with a monster, well, consider me your mythical dragon. And I'm prepared to set you aflame. I get it. I'm new around here. But do not be mistaken. Heed my warning. 
I am not one to be trifled with because if you think it was special what I did running you off the stage, I assure you, there's plenty more where that came from. (laughs) Is that so, big boy? Then why don't you prove it? This Friday, after I beat Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, what do you say? Me versus you, one-on-one on Monday Night Raw. I accept. See you next week. Monster. Keith, Braun, thank you both, and good luck on the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. The velty tones of Tom Phillips. Next. <laughs> How about that, guys? I thought that was a really missed opportunity to air that segment on TV. And I thought that would have been a really good get for both of those guys. But that was a digital clip that you can see on their YouTube channel. YouTube.com backslash WWE. There's your plug, pal. Um, <laughs> but uh, Keith Lee and Braun Strowman next week. That should be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to that. So, overall, man, I really enjoyed the draft, and we're 10 days away from Hell in the Cell, which looks like to be a pretty good pay-per-view. Got to figure out what the rest of the matches are going to be, and I'm sure we'll get some information on that tomorrow night on SmackDown. And um, we'll go from there. But overall, this week in WWE... Gets a dumb stuff for me. More weeks or not, some of it's decent, some of it's, you know, hit or miss, but I think uh, Raw was a really, really good episode this week, and, you know, I'm still really enjoying the stuff with the Tribal Chief and Paul Heyman, and uh, he is uh, doing some awesome stuff on the mic right now, and, you know, you got to see Roman Reigns on first take this week, which was pretty funny. <laughs> Love seeing that, and, um, um, Decided to see what the future is for the SmackDown brand. I saw today that Daniel Bryan is going to make his WWE Thunderdome debut tomorrow, which is going to be pretty cool. And maybe uh, Daniel Bryan reunites his rivalry with Sam, uh, Sami Zayn. So that should be interesting to watch out for, pal. But if it was me, I'd have down the road Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. You heard it here first on the Hoots Podcast. Alright folks, that's my thoughts on this week in WWE. I'm going to take one more swig of water and then when I come back, I'm going to preview this upcoming weekend final events of the 2020 New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax Tournament. We'll be right back. We're back here on the Hoots Podcast, ready to give you one more final preview for the G1 Climax 30. We have our final events coming up this weekend starting tomorrow morning. With A Block Finals and uh, Saturday be B Block Finals, and then we wrap this thing up on Sunday with the final events, and we'll figure out who will be main eventing Wrestle Kingdom 15 on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Updated scoreboards for the G1 Climax tournament goes as follows. On the A block, we got a three-way tie at first with Ibushi, Jay White, and Okada with 12 points. Will Ospreay has 10. We have a a two-way tie with Jeff Cobb and Taichi with 8 points. Uh, Ishii, Suzuki, and Takagi are in a category with with each other with 6 points. And Yujiro, 
still hasn't had a point yet in the tournament, so that's pretty funny. Uh, B block, we have Evil against Naito, Sonata, Zack Sabre. Uh, let me rephrase that. We got a two-way tie first with Evil and Tetsuya Naito at 12 points. Two-way tie for second place with Sonata and Zack Sabre Jr. with 10 points. Uh, Kenta and Goto have 8 points. Tanahashi, Robson, and Yano are in a bracket with each other with 6 points. And Yoshihashi bottoms things out with 2 points. So, before I give you the cards for this weekend, I just want to go over a little bit about some of the matches that I've been transcribing for this past week or so. And... Uh, just some awesome barn burners from both the A block and B block that I would recommend for you guys to go check out. And by the way, if you haven't seen New Japan Strong, you need to go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Kevin Kelly and Alex Kozlov do a great job on commentary. I mentioned Danny Limelight. He's one of the stars of the show. Uh, you get to see some people from Ring of Honor like Villain Enterprises and Brody King's on the show. Uh, the former uh, Darren Young is on New Japan Strong. He's done a great job as well. Uh, you get to see some of your favorite young lines for the past like Carl Fredericks and um, <laughs> Clark Connors. A lot of these shows were taped, but you're still seeing a lot of people that are in the G1 right now that taped content earlier this year in California for this New Japan Strong event. And uh, the show they do every single Friday. It's a lot of fun to cover. And uh, I totally recommend you guys go check out New Japan Strong. So before uh, we get to these matches here, I just want to talk about what happened this week uh, as far as matches that really stood out to me. Uh, start off really quick from Saturday. You know, we had uh, Jeff Cobb and Ishii in a tremendous match. These are the ones that stood out to me from the Saturday show, from the 8 block. Osprey and Taichi really surprised me. That was a fun match. Uh, Bushi and Suzuki was a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that match, go out of your way to watch it. Okada and Shingo was the main event. Okada defeated Shingo via the money clip. And uh, looks like Okada is just... That's his thing now. He's no longer the Rainmaker. He's the money clipper. That's what he is now. He, he just relies on that corporate clutch, pal. Um... <laughs> Uh, for the beat block for Sunday, uh, really enjoyed the match with Zack Sabre Jr. and Yoshihashi. I keep saying that every week. Yoshihashi's putting out some really good performances, so I'm happy for him. Uh, Sonata and Juice Robinson was fine. Sonata picked up the victory in that one. Hiroki Goto defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. That really shocked me. Really shocked me that the ace is not going to be at the top of the scoring points for the G1 this year. That really, really shocked me. And then Evil... With help with uh, Dick Togo, defeated Naito on Sunday. And it looks like we're getting closer to more friction in Bullet Club with Evil, pretending that he's a leader, and Jay White. So we got to figure out if both of those guys are going to be fighting each other in the finals. So I'll get to that in a couple minutes. Then from Tuesday, um, we saw... Tai Chi and Shingo in a freaking physical match. That was awesome. Jay White and Suzuki was a good match as well. We had two faction leaders fighting each other. Suzuki Gun versus Bullet Club. I thought that was a great match. Okada defeated Ishii in the main event. Really bumps me out when Ishii loses, but maybe one day Tomohiro Ishii, the Stone Pitbull, will get a shot at the IWGP Heavyweight title. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that happens one day, but... That's what happened on Tuesday. And then yesterday, we had 
Zach Robson, uh, Zach Sabre Jr. defeat Ju- Juice Robinson. Uh, like that match. Kenta and Yoshihashi had one of the best matches from the B block yes- yesterday. That was a lot of fun to write down. I have no comment on what I saw from the Yano uh, Tetsu Unites match. That was BS. I'm not even talking about that match. Uh, Evo defeated Hiroki Goto. And then Sonata beating Tanahashi in the longest match of the G1 Tour so far. 28 minutes, Sonata defeats Tanahashi uh, with two Muna Moonsaults. Here's the, the lineups for the upcoming events this weekend. Uh, like I said, tomorrow is the A Block event. So we have Ibushi and Taichi, Cobb and Yujiro, Okada Osprey, Ishii J. White, and Suzuki Tagi as the main event. Uh, some of these matches could be uh, changed due to standing, so maybe I'll flip that around and we'll see what the actual main event is. But <laughs> um, for the B block, the final match for the B block is uh, I have it here on my reference sheet. It's Tanahashi against Saxon Jr., Goto, Juice Robinson, Yoshihashi, Tor- Toriano, Naito against Kenta, and then Evil against Sonata. It looks like Evil Sonata definitely should be the main event of that event on Saturday. And then we'll wrap these things up on Sunday. So we got we got a stream here. Something's going to happen here. I, I don't know what is, but there's going to be some big upsets here. And we got to figure out who's going to be um, representing what. So here's my picks, guys. Okay? I see Kota Ibushi... Winning the A block and Evil winning the B block. Okay? I got Abushi win A block with help with Ishii upsetting Jay White tomorrow. And I got Evil defeating Sonata with help from Kenta beating Naito on Saturday. So, we get to the finals of the G1, Kota Ibushi and Evil as the finals. Be a very physical match. Looking forward to it. Storyline-wise here, I go with Ibushi to repeat. Two times in a row, Kota Ibushi uh, will repeat as the winner of the G1 Climax Tournament. I originally thought it was the J1. I could be totally wrong, and maybe it would be J. White Sonata in the finals. I don't know. We'll have to figure this out. But I have two choices here. It's either Kota Bushi versus Evil with Kota winning, with or J. White versus Sonata with J. White winning the G1. Either way, this is going to be fucking insane. And I got, <laughs> I got these articles down for you guys, okay? So, with that being said, that's my recap for the... Uh, preview for the New Japan G1 Climax 30 Finals uh, coming up this weekend. Three great events which you can all check out on New Japan, uh, New Japan World. And if you want to read the transcripts, you can check them out at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com So, with that being said, we're about to get into what everybody's been waiting for. Your favorite moment of the week, pal. <laughs> what am I talking about? Well, we're talking about the podcast. Is, uh, we're talking about the segment that's sweeping the nation. The segment 
that's been a quarantine gem. A a segment that's going to definitely have its own plaque on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm talking about what the hell is wrong with AEW. And we're going to start it off with Brother Carter. In uh, three, two, one. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be perfectly real with you here. AEW Dynamite gets worse and worse every single week. And quite frankly, the only reason I keep watching the show is because I talk about it on a wrestling podcast. The quality of this program is god-awful. This might be, and I am recording this live, this might be my longest rant about AEW Dynamite yet. And this was supposed to be their one-year anniversary show? Good Lord, what is wrong with AEW? So here's what, we're, here's what we start with. Instead of watching a match, Kip Sabian is playing video games at ringside with an arcade machine that I didn't even see where it was plugged in. Doesn't it have to be plugged in to do one of those things? Why is there an arcade machine at ringside? And now... Miro and Times New Roman font, Kip Sabian, are going to feud with the best friends because they broke a video game machine near ringside. That's the angle we're going with. Oh, man, this is just some revolutionary television. Boy, i tell you what. By the way, also, didn't Miro refer to them as good friends as opposed to best friends? Was that on purpose? He doesn't even know the name of this team. And he's going to feud with them. It's absolutely ridiculous. In the tag team match with Best Friends and FTR, why the hell would the referee duck when he wasn't even close to Cash Wheeler? Like, the referee was about three or four steps back, ducked like an absolute coward so that Wheeler could hit the guy with, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Trent with the title belt, and then pin him. And that's your finish. It's absolutely ridiculous. It makes no sense at all. Why would the referee cower to anybody at all? Just further proof that the officiating in AEW is god-awful. It's absolutely ridiculous. The commentary team has no chemistry at all. There are so many lulls in the conversation, and there's so much dead air. They have absolutely no idea what they're talking about most of the time. They don't know how to make transitions. They don't know how to go from segment to segment throwing stuff backstage or throwing stuff wherever they're going to throw stuff to video packages is slow, it's terrible, there's lulls in the conversation, and the commentary team is awful. I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but I am now done with the Jericho and MJF feud. It's gotten to a point of being absolutely stupid. A quote-unquote steak dinner. That's how we're going to settle this, and they're doing it as, you know, they're, they're all intense, like, I'll see you at the steak dinner. It's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous. MJF is being squandered. Chris Jericho's career is going downhill faster and faster every single week. It's getting exponentially worse. It's 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 this is a stupid feud and I absolutely hate it. What is what is 
Tony Schiavone's role in the company now? Is he just another comedy show? Let me ask everybody this question. What if any of this crap happened on a WWE program? Fans would rip it apart. They would tear it to shreds. They would say WWE is the worst program in the world for putting this crap on and all of their wrestlers should go to AEW. It's a ridiculous double standard. AEW is the comedy act that nobody wants in WWE. Yet for some stupid reason, people are buying in and thinking it's good. Probably because... Meltzer and Alvarez praise it, and for whatever reason, whatever these two say is gospel. I'm, I'm still convinced that Meltzer and Alvarez are on their payroll somehow, but it's absolutely ridiculous. If any of this crap was on Raw or SmackDown, people would be losing their minds. Cody's blonde again. I guess he's a heel for some stupid reason, and he looks like his old, weak, power-hungry self. It was cool when he came back as the Black and, you know, after being beat down by Cody, uh, by Brody Lee. That was awesome. I was all about it. But now Cody is blonde again. He's a, why exactly did he turn heel? It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I don't know. I can't figure that out at all. And while I like Orange Cassidy, they made a huge deal about him locking up with somebody. Whoa. And folks, I hate to say this. I like Orange Cassidy. I'm a fan. The gimmick is starting to run its course. If he's doing all that crap at the beginning, just turn around and beat his ass and then pin him. You know? It's 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 ridiculous. And honestly, it's a shame because I really think he's very talented. And I, and I see a lot in Orange Cassidy. But the gimmick is starting to run its course. Speaking of which, this match now, Cody and, uh, and Orange Cassidy. So all of a sudden, the Dark Order is being admonished like they are a part of this match. So they're out there, and all of a sudden, the ref's like, you, 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 get out, like they were part of the team. And then they started freaking out like they were, you know, like they were these, you know, these enthusiastic bad guys who are like, no, come on, what are you doing? Like a normal tag team, instead of this cultish following of Brody Lee, which they're supposed to be. The Dark Order sucks. The gimmick sucks. AEW sucks. Lance Archer and John Moxley had the stupidest backstage brawls. They were not organic at all and were incredibly forced, especially that second one in front of the monitor. I mean, there was a break in the conversation. They weren't screaming at each other. It was stupid. I hated it. And what a shock. The Young Bucks stand on top after basically destroying officials and announcers. So what is their reward? They're going to be pushed to the top of the mountain as heels to go against this heel FTR tag team. Boy, the friends of the company getting title matches. What a shock. Uh, I hate to say it, but the women's tag team or the women's title match was not very good. The moves were botched. There was no flow. Timing was off. The ring awareness was off. I think Big Swole, you know, did a kip up and hit uh, Hikaru Shida in the head. Uh, they botched moves. They, they couldn't figure out what they were doing. It was awful. Why the hell should I care about Sean Spears? What has he done on Dynamite a month? And they all of a sudden they go to this 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 video package of him uh, for some stupid reason, and and he's with Tully Blanchard, and he's going to start taking things against Scorpio side. Why should I care about him? He hasn't been on Dynamite in a long time, and he's certainly not a player. Every this show gets worse and worse every week. If this stuff was on WWE TV, WWE TV people would revolt. And again, the only reason I'm watching is because I talk on a wrestling podcast. This is your one-year anniversary show. This company is going to be out of business within five years. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW?
This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Thank you very much, Brother Carter. Oh, my boy. <laughs> this is what everybody's been waiting for, right? The one-year anniversary of AEW Dynamite on TNT. I like to say that I'm shocked by what I saw last night on TNT, but I'm not. Last night's show is a very accurate and apropos view of the current state of all elite wrestling. You could call it a butt show. You could call it a circus soleil fest. You could call it hand job Ville in Jacksonville. You could call it whatever you want. AEW Dynamite. When it comes to television, is the worst television-based professional wrestling show in the world. There's a lot of bad comedy in a lot of wrestling companies these days. I'm not excluding anybody from the list. And by the way, when I've done these critiques about AEW, have you ever heard me mention about what WWE does better than AEW? No. My focus is on AEW. But I'll say this. You know that content-wise, that your product is shit when Impact Wrestling puts out better weekly content than you do. So, <laughs> I could pop a blood vessel. I could. I, I sense the frustration in Brad Carr's voice, and I had my fill last week. But I'm gonna do. What I'm going to do, and I'm going to talk to you guys about what I saw last night. So, you want a perfect still shot footage of what my current thoughts on AEW are? After the power goes off, you see Kit Sabian and Penelope Ford at a, a playing the arcade game at ringside, right? And they're showing pictures of the crowd. That picture right there, that arcade machine, is a perfect representation of what AEW is and what they say to you, the wrestling fan. They treat this business as a game. A video game, more specifically. Their wrestling matches resemble video game wrestling. The way they transition into things feels like a video game. Their commentary is video game light. Everything is a fucking joke and a video game to these guys. Tell me on God's green earth that you are the company that cares about tag team wrestling. You're having a good Solid tag tile match with FTR and best friends, and I'm not the biggest best friend. I'm not the biggest best friends fan out there. You know, I want to get to FTR, but they haven't moved the the needle since they left the WWE. I'm just being honest. FTR defeats best friends at the skirmish around the ringside area where uh, Wheeler sidesteps Beretta through arcade cabinet. 
And we have this stupid ass arcade spot just to get to a way to transition to another shitty finished cheating spot. Like, I'm all down for heels cheating and finding ways to win. But when AEW does it, it looks sloppy because you don't have a good referee crew. It'd be one thing if Mike Kyoto was part of that finish, but when you have fucking 150-year-old Rick Knox doing a shitty job falling down pretending to see that Cash Wheeler hit, pretend that he didn't see Cash hit him with the title, when you can see perfectly that his eyes looking towards that direction. Ron, worldwide television, this is not fucking uh, Pasadena, it's not Reseda, we're not, we're not at the PWG Hall. Bad refereeing. Again, a weekly nomer on AW. Bad commentary. Once again, a weekly nomer of AW. Two essential things that make your show good or bad. Putting let's talk about wrestling show one time without booking, okay? Let's let's talk about a actual wrestling show. Without storylines and booking for one second, okay? What do you think are the two most essential things besides the wrestlers in the ring when it comes to a wrestling match? The commentators and the referee. The referee guides the performance through the match. The commentators are there to narrate and lay the lyrics to that match. Yeah. The wrestlers could do a gazillion moves. It looks like a video game. But when your commentators are not on sync, where JR can't figure out where he wants to do play-by-play or wants to overstep Excalibur with some sarcastic comments and reference that have absolutely fucking nothing to do with these shows, why the fuck is he out there? This really breaks my heart, man. I'm seeing the demise of Jim Ross, the broadcaster. And sooner or later, this dude's going to have a Tom Brennan moment. He almost had it with the Anna J stuff at All Out. He's going to say something stupid, and he's going to get kicked off the booth for good. I'm sorry, JR. I love you. I've had a chance to interview you. I've had a chance to meet you. You're the reason why I got into this, business, uh, into this broadcasting business in the first place. I wanted to be you. But you are embarrassing yourself on worldwide television each and every single week. We know where to find your fucking book. We know where to get your freaking mustard and your ketchup and your teriyaki and all the bullshit that you sell. We know where to find it. I want to hear Jim fucking Ross call a wrestling match. Not some stupid ass reference to Dire Straits. And stuff that has nothing to do with the show. I'm not hearing JR. I don't even hear JR in his own fucking podcast. You know what I hear? I hear JR doing a watch along to live pro wrestling television on TNT and acting as if Conrad's next to him. You're not hearing Jim Ross. You're hearing what JR is on grilling JR with a muzzle on top of him because he can't swear on the show, obviously, right? I'm telling you, man. It breaks my heart. Jim Ross is the reason why I got hooked into this business in the first place. And that's why this bothers me a lot. Because I got to fucking listen to excrement. 
who's a shitty, and I mean shitty, play-by-play announcer. I've heard bad ones. He makes freaking Mike Adamly sound like freaking Al Michaels. He makes Scott Stanford sound like Joe Buck. He's not good. Tony Schiavone's just there. Cool, I like Tony Schiavone. I got no beef with him. He wants to do weird comedy stuff with Britt Baker. Fine, that doesn't bother me. But here's the thing. When your referees are not in sync, and I've mentioned the issues that, that goes on with AEW and their referees. I'm not going to repeat that. But when your referees are not in sync with the wrestlers, your your, your commentators are not in sync with each other, a bad booth, it's just not a good look for your show. I don't care how many fucking moves that you could do in a wrestling match, but if your match doesn't make sense and it's just not good visually on television, why the fuck am I watching? An arcade spot. This is the company that said we're going to save tag team wrestling. We bring this team for FTR. They whine and, whine and bitch in Chris Jericho's podcast about, oh, we want to be part of a tag team division that's serious. We want to be part of a tag team division that's serious. It takes tag team wrestling seriously. Yeah, we're doing arcade spots. We have a shitty ass talking simulator on the show where we got to prop up the sunken place young bucks who are pussy with because nobody gives a shit about them anymore. We got balding buck. And, no, no, it's not Warrior Buck. We got Dick the Buck and Balding Buck. Found a way after super kicking Alex Marvez and Tony Schiavone. They super kicked the cameraman. They can't decide whether they want to be good guys or he, uh, good guys or uh, heels or bad guys. And now they're into this Fatal 4-Way match where you obviously know that the Young Bucks are going to fight at TR at full gear. FTR has been part of AW for what? Four months now? And everything they've done with the Young Bucks so far has sucked. I have zero interest in FTR and the Young Bucks. And you want to know why? Because the Young Bucks suck. They suck. I don't care how many freaking moves they do. They're great athletes. I'm sure they're great people. I get, I get a little chuckle out of what they do on BTE. They're great dudes. But as a tag team, they suck. How they carry themselves as characters on wrestling television sucks. And FTR is just stuck in a place where you got to do comedy because everything's a freaking joke at Daily Place. And as my good brother Jonathan Hood mentioned on his podcast this week, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, who says no in AEW? It's a free for it's a free for all out there in AEW. You can do and say whatever the fuck you want. You can do anything. Last night's Dynamite is a pure example as to why when I see people cry about wrestlers not having creative freedom, I'm laughing out loud because what you see on Dynamite is an example of what creative freedom looks like and it's not good. If Vince Russo needed a filter... So does Tony Khan. So does Tony Khan. Embarrassing. Let's say somebody's watching your show for the first time. And this is the one year anniversary of Dynamite. Why am I watching this show again? So we go from XR. 
and best friends. We go to a crappy segment with MGF and Chris Jericho where I don't know whether they're going to make out or whatever the next thing is going. I don't like Brad Carson. I have no interest in what they're doing with each other. Like, why is Tony Khan so obsessed with having heels versus heels in every feud that he has? Are there any baby faces on this show? Honestly, are there any baby faces on this program? MGF versus Chris Jericho. Whoopity do. Inner circle. Whoopity do. Oh, MGF's undecisive where he wants to join the inner circle. Whoopity do. La Debinior. Whoopity do. La Debinior. Whatever the fuck it's called. This show is a complete mud show. It's outlaw. It's mud show. It's an embarrassment and it's a spit to, spit in the face to you, the pro wrestling fans out there. That's what AEW Dynamite is. The show sucks. This show is not good. Want to give me? I was really enjoying the FTR Best Friends match. Cool. I thought it was a good match. And then they do this freaking arcade spot just to prop up Miro, who hasn't done shit since he's joined AEW. And it's just it's just not a good look to start off your show that way. Then we get to Cody Rhodes versus Orange Cassidy. LOL Shocker of the Year, Cody Rhodes is back to being blood. I wonder who has a bigger Napoleon complex. Cody Rhodes or CM Punk? That's what I wanna know. No, not even CM Punk. Let's leave Punk out of this. Who has a bigger Napoleon complex? Cody Rhodes. Or Donald Trump. I need to figure out what. Because something's off here. Who has the bigger Napoleon complex? Chris Jericho or Cody Rhodes? Ironically, both guys are in AEW. Weak, weak, nuts, nuts, right? <laughs> weak, weak, nuts, nuts. Cody Rhodes is back to being a blonde. So I guess he's supposed to wrestle as a heel. Because he's fighting Orange Cassidy. Even though Orange Cassidy is lethargic. And on the premise his character is not a baby face. And he just doesn't care. And I'm from wherever. And I weigh whatever. And yeah. So we got Jeff Jarrett versus Pockets. On TNT. Awesome. <laughs> the wrestling was good. The match is fine. Look. Cody's done a lot of good stuff in the ring with AW. That's never been my issues. I've always enjoyed his matches. His promos are good. All that's fine. But the presentation and just the overall feel of Cody Rhodes is just embarrassing. This guy is an executive vice president who's basically the face of your company. And when you see him on television, he's Two-Face. So the the face of AEW is Two-Face. He tells you one thing, he does something else. What last week he's crying saying, Oh, don't peer pressure me into being a heel. And then the next week he's wrestling as a heel. So I want somebody to actually justify a reason for me to watch the show without having to make some type of reference to the WWE. I want somebody to tell me a year in as to what makes AEW that special while something relating to the WWE. That's my question for you guys this week. Give me one valid reason why AEW is elite without having something to do with the WWE. I'll wait for the answer because I still haven't found it. 
We have Hikaru Shida against Big Swole. It was what it was. Um, kind of sloppy match in my opinion. And then here comes where the rooster rooster roost. So we have John Moxley and Lance Archer as the main event. And we're hyping this to all. We're going to have this epic rematch from an awesome Wrestle Kingdom 14 match. Which I transcribed by the way. And it was an awesome match. What you saw from John Moxley and Lance Archer was watered down compared to what they did in New Japan. John Moxley is not interesting on U.S. television. He's just not. I love Lance Archer, but he's in the wrong company. Lance Archer is not going to get his props in AEW. Just like Brian Cage won't get his props in AEW. Just like Rusev won't get his props in AEW. It doesn't matter what big guys you bring into the promotion. They're all going to play second fiddle to these freaking cosplayers. These outlaw much show freaks who come out here and pretend to, uh, pretend to tell you, the wrestling fan, that their style of wrestling is more elite than anything else that's presented around the world. And I think that's just a slap in the face to every wrestling fan out there because the content... That they produce each and every single week. Doesn't validate the name of their company. What about AEW Dynamite is elite. Or Dynamite. Every time I watch their show. I want to take a fucking Dynamite shit. Do we get Dynamite commentary? No. Do we get Dynamite wrestling? No. Okay, production, some graphics stuff is cool. I like the layout of Daily Space. It looks nice, right? But again, tell me what's so elite about All Elite Wrestling. That has nothing to do with the WWE. I I just don't get it, man. I really don't. So, with that being said, that's been this week's edition of what the hell is wrong with AEW. So, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your schedule to listen to this week's podcast. It got really uh, interesting there. But, um, it's got to vet out this frustration, man. That's the one-year anniversary of Dynamite. Very apropos. So, I want to say thank you again for the support. All you have to do is do one thing. Not only subscribe to the podcast... As I take a swig of water here. Not only subscribe to the podcast. If you're an Apple Podcast user. Leave us a 4 or 5 star review or rating. Tell us what you like or dislike about the show. We'll give you a shout out. Make sure to enjoy the G1. And check out all my transcripts. At ProWrestlingTranscripts.com Make sure to follow me on Twitter if you like. At the Who's Podcast. I'm on Instagram. JoshLopez94. At JoshLopezMusic. And... Uh, little piece of advice here. So take this with you guys. Always remember to be the authentic product that is yourself. And you dictate the pace of your life. Nobody else. And with that, I say I love you. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to check out this nonsense. And I hope this podcast was enjoyable for your listening experience. So with that being said, this has been episode 227 of the Hoots Podcast. I am the nefarious brother, Adam Joshi Lopez. Right now, we're going to send it off to Brother Carter in this week's edition of the Thoughts of Derrico. We'll be back here next week to make predictions.
predictions for Bound for Glory and Hell in the Cell and recap uh, the G1 Climax 30 Tour and Tournament. So, let's send out to Burke Carter for the thoughts of Derrico. I'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that I know you would never consider drafting anywhere in the world. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. It's been a very, very interesting week in the world of professional wrestling. I'm going to start by talking about AEW and the things that I enjoyed about AEW this week, because there were a couple things. As you heard earlier in the show, you know that I pretty much have a huge disdain for AEW right now. But there were some good things, and so I wanted to talk about those, to be fair. To be fair. Uh, letting the crowd sing Judas was awesome. I, I That's always one of my favorite parts of the show every week. And, you know, they, they, they let him sing the rest of the second verse and then the whole chorus, which was cool. And when they're, when they're able to do that with full full fans again... That's going to be awesome. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. The MJF and Sammy Guevara with the oversized jacket. That was actually pretty funny when Guevara put on that jacket. I actually thought that was pretty funny. Uh, the interaction between Bit- Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone is is hilarious. They're great together. Uh, Josh and I always say every week should be Britt Baker Appreciation Week because she's just terrific. I actually like the match between Orange Cassidy and Cody. Uh, I thought they work well together, and we're going to get another match between them in, in two weeks. So that'll be cool. Um, the match between John Moxley and Lance Archer to close the show was fine. It was good. That's right up John Moxley's style of that kind of deathmatch, weapons, all that sort of stuff. So that was fine. I just wonder where Lance Archer goes from here and if he becomes involved in a program with both Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Which, Eddie Kingston is working his way up to being the top guy in AEW right now. His promos have been fantastic. And um, if you saw, if you go to WrestlingRumors.net, cheap plug, you can see he cut a promo after the show was off the air, continuing his his beratement of John Moxley. So that was kind of cool. So again, there were a few things that I liked about AEW this week, and I wanted to make sure that I get those in. Okay. Let's talk about the WWE draft and all of the moves that happened. I was sad that no one from NXT moved. I guess this year they're really making NXT as developmental, I guess. And maybe they're having to because of the coronavirus. I don't know. But uh, no NXT movement, which I thought was kind of odd. But that's fine. NXT is doing great work as it is. So not even going to worry about that. All right, let's talk about some of the different moves that happened from both Raw and SmackDown. And I'm really just going to talk about the big ones and just kind of give my brief thoughts on on everything. Uh, The first round on Friday night, uh, the Monday Night Messiah was moved from Raw to SmackDown, and now he will be the SmackDown savior, I guess. And everybody in the current program he's in is getting moved to Friday night. And that's fine. You know, we're going to see Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, Ray Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Murphy, Aaliyah, that whole crew is going to be now on on Friday nights, which is fine. I guess my only 
concern with that is not with about Rollins or Rey Mysterio, but about Dominic Mysterio. Once this storyline is over, I worry that Dominic's going to get lost in the shuffle. If he was still on Raw, it would be easier for him to to continue to develop and get better during a three-hour program as opposed to a two-hour program on a major cable network. And it's not even a cable network, on a major network, one of the four major networks that have access to everybody in the country because they offer free a free stream to everybody in the country. With Fo- I'm talking about Fox, CBS, uh, NBC, and ABC. So I worry that Mysterio is going to be a little bit green. Uh, I'm talking about Dominic, of course, and not have time to develop before he's thrust onto a main stage like SmackDown. So that's my only concern with that. But overall, I think it's fine. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do that storyline as well as what they do with uh, if, if there's any interaction between him and Roman Reigns going forward. AJ Styles over to Raw. I've, I've said that that was going to happen, and I think that that's fine. Um, I think that AJ Styles could be a challenger for the WWE Championship once they're done with the Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre stuff. Though Jeff Hardy is now on Raw as well, so I don't know if that feud's going to continue. We shall see with that. Naomi uh, on Raw, that's fine. I like that. That could be the resurgence her career needs. Bianca Belair is over on SmackDown along with the Street Profits which I think is great. The SmackDown women's division needs some serious help. And Bianca Belair is the EST of WWE. She has got Superstar written all over her. So I think that this is great. She can immediately start to challenge for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I don't know what they're going to do with Bayley and Sasha if they're going to keep doing that feud all the way till Mania for for another six months. I hope not. I hope they give Bianca Belair a chance. Uh, maybe they'll do an injury angle at Hell in a Cell, and then that'll allow Bianca Belair to to challenge during that time until Sasha comes back and they set up a WrestleMania match. Maybe we shall see what's happening with that. The Miz and Morrison are on Raw. That's fine. Um, I think the Miz and Morrison are incredibly entertaining. Maybe they can start to challenge uh, the New Day for the tag team titles. That could be kind of cool. All those workers are great, and we'll see what happens with that. The biggest move, I think, from the first night was the was the breaking up of New Day. And Big E is being pushed as a single star on SmackDown, and Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods as the tag team champions on Raw. At first, I hated this and was not thrilled about it, but the more I thought about it, what do the New Day have to prove anymore? You know, they've established themselves as one of the greatest tag teams of all time, Obviously, they're going to be Hall of Famers. And again, there's really no reason to keep them together because they can still technically be together. They just won't necessarily be on the same show, but they can still be the New Day. And Big E has world champion written all over him. He's incredibly entertaining on the mic. He's fantastic in the ring. He has a great look. He has all of the makings of a world champion. Big E is going to be world champion in 2021. Mark, you heard it here, folks. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Big E will be a world champion in 2021. The other big split up, I guess, from the first night, which this one I can't figure out, is splitting up heavy machinery and having Tucker on Raw and Otis stay on SmackDown. I get that Otis is the star of that team. I get it. But Tucker is going to get lost in the shuffle unless he does a major character switch because 
he was kind of just following along as the comedy act for Otis while Otis was doing his Money in the Bank stuff and stuff with Mandy Rose and Miz and Morrison. So I very much worry that Tucker is going to get lost in the shuffle, and I do not understand the splitting up of heavy machinery. I cannot figure that out at all. Going on to night two of the draft, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, is moving to Raw along with Alexa Bliss, which I knew that was going to happen, and Nikki Cross, which I actually thought Nikki Cross should stay on SmackDown so that Alexa Bliss can start to do her thing with The Fiend. But, I I mean, anywhere The Fiend goes is gold. And why they're moving him back to Monday night, I'm not sure. I thought that his character was such that he needed to be on a bigger audience on Friday on SmackDown, which is, but again, it's fine. Uh, I have no problems with it. Anywhere The Fiend goes, he's one of the top, I still think he's going to be the top character of this generation. So, also, when Alexa Bliss dropped Sister Abigail along with The Fiend on Andrade and Zelina Vega, that was awesome. That was so great. I marked out hardcore on my couch. That was cool. Loved it. Can't wait to see what they're going to do with The Fiend on Monday nights. Matt Riddle is moving to Raw. Kevin Owens moving to SmackDown. And Jeff Hardy moving to Raw. Uh, all those are fine. I, I have no problems with any of that. Uh, you know, we'll just we'll just see what, what happens. Uh, Andrade was... I'm sorry. Um, Alistair Black was moved over to SmackDown as well. So I guess the Kevin Owens-Alistair Black feud is going to continue on SmackDown. I was hoping that The Fiend and Kevin Owens would end up on the same show because that feud, the psychology, would be incredible. We got a taste of that last week on SmackDown. And that was, uh, their chemistry and their psychology is unbelievable. So I was hoping we'd get to see that, but I guess not. And that's fine. Maybe they'll do an interpromotional match later on down the road because the psychology of that would be incredible. I, I, I think it should be for a world championship, either the WWE title or the Universal title. But again, I we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Retribution is on Raw, so Raw... You know, they they drafted this renegade faction, which I thought is kind of weird, but fine. Um, Lars Sullivan is going to be exclusive to SmackDown. I'm still not sure what they're going to do with Lars Sullivan, but it's interesting to see how they're going to how they're going to handle him uh, going forward. We know he's had his personal issues. I guess some more personal issues have started to surface. So we'll see what happens with that. Elias is back. And on Raw, I like that. I think that's very cool. Um, it looks like he'll be doing his fr- program with Jeff Hardy, which is fine. Which I actually think is fine. They can have a program, and then AJ Styles can move on to the WWE title. So I think that's absolutely fine. I like that. I guess they're keeping Nakamura and Cesaro as a team because they drafted them to SmackDown. I know they're already on stack SmackDown, but they drafted them as a team. So I guess they're going to be challenging the Street Profits, and that'll be the next thing for them. I still think they need to break them up, let them be single stars. They're way better as single stars as they are as, as compared to a tag team, but it's fine. We'll make it work for now. Uh, let's see. Sheamus to Raw, fine. Nikki Cross to Raw, again, I think she should have stayed on SmackDown. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, after being traded to Raw this summer in uh, in July, are now back on SmackDown. Fine, I guess. Maybe they'll also challenge the Street Profits. I don't know. I I, I don't know what they're going to do with Ziggler and Roode. 
Uh, I guess Raw Underground is not going to be their final destination. I, Ziggler is Ziggler and Root are just they're great talents, but they're lost in the shuffle. Creative has nothing for them, obviously, and that's unfortunate because Root's theme music is amazing. Dolph Ziggler is an incredible worker. So I don't know what they're going to do with them. Maybe Robert Roode should go back to NXT because he was super over there. I don't know. I hope we can see more with them going forward. Uh, Apollo Crews on SmackDown, fine. Dabakato staying on Raw for Raw Underground. It's fine. Uh, Peyton Royce going to Raw. I actually thought Peyton Royce should go to SmackDown and should, again, help a division over there that needs some star power. Peyton Royce has star power. Uh, Raw does not need any more star power. They've got Asuka. They've got the Queen, Charlotte Flair. They've got Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler. Uh, now they have Nikki Cross. So I think Peyton Royce should have gone over to SmackDown and really helped boost that division with Bailey, Sasha, Bianca Belair, Peyton Royce. I mean, that would have been a kick-ass division over there. Uh, Natalia's over there now, so I guess that could help. Uh, let's see. I'm sure there's others that I'm missing. Uh, and then finally, they split up Lana and Natalia. Uh, oh, Riot Squad's over to SmackDown. And that can, they can help with that, too. That's fine. Uh, and then, let's see. I said, they've split up Lana and Natalia. I have this strange feeling that Lana is going to become the best woman in the next few months. And some of you know what I mean by that. Natalia going to go help over on SmackDown, and that's fine. And uh, I think that'll work. And that's really all I wanted to talk about. I've gone over my time. And those are the thoughts of Derrico. For this week. My final thought is as always, folks, make sure that your voice is heard, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you are on, get your voice heard, get out there and vote. This has been the thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man. <laughs>